We are back with another Buckeye Talk. The NPR version. Wouldn't that be good if we... Should we try it like that? That's what you did. You Sometimes I feel like I'm shouting. You started off really quietly, like you were going to get into some politics. No, we're not <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Buckeye Talk! I think it's important to reiterate, we're not talking about politics. <laughs> we are not. Please we keep listening. We might talk about french fries or... <laughs> Triangle Pizza, but we are not talking about politics. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman, Cleveland.com, Ohio State Coverage Team. Find Buckeye Talk on iTunes. Go subscribe right now on Apple, iTunes. Go find it. Give us some ratings, by the way. We haven't had any ratings in a while. Five stars only, please. Oh. We got have, We have a better star rating than Ohio State's recruiting classes. That's what we need. That's what we're aiming we need, for. Some one guy gave us – one time I said – like when we first started, I said, give us some ratings so we get a boost on iTunes. And it was like after we recorded that one in my apartment, and the sound was awful. Yeah, as one guy's like one star. <laughs> wow! But everyone else has been four or five stars. So go really? go and rate it and give us some stars. How many ratings do you think we've gotten? <clears throat> I think it's twenty. Is that good? Is that a lot or no? It's decent. I don't know. Like it's not compared to Bill Simmons' podcast. No, but I think for what we're doing, it's good. But it could be better. But out of twenty. 19 or 4 or 5 stars, and there's one 1 star. Can we delete the 1 star? Is no, that he's, there, he's there forever. Dang it. I mean, it was, he was fair. It did sound terrible. And I specifically said right, <laughs> right after that terrible podcast. So and like, the cool I, thing I, I is, the guy it. who gave us 1 star is listening and goes, crap, that was me. Yeah. No, it's, we, listen, we know who you are, bud. <laughs> um, Respect it. So go rate us again, maybe, right? Our sound quality is pretty decent now, actually, even though it's still just an apartment. I mean, for what we do, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. We're mostly going to talk about how good we are. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to talk about assistant coaches' salaries. We might get into a little bit of something else. We asked for some questions. We can always uh, answer your questions if you tweet them to us at BillLandis25, at Ari Wasserman, at Doug Maurice. Um, again, you can read our stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU. But this is Buckeye Talk. We're going to get into what everybody's making. Bill Landis wrote about this this week. We got the contracts um, for the assistant coaches, Greg Schiano, Kevin Wilson, all these guys. Um, some surprising numbers in there, and I part of the heart of this is like, why does Ohio State still not have a million dollar assistant coach when their two main coordinators at the moment are a former NFL head coach and a former Big Ten head coach? They have guys that have better resumes than a lot of assistants out there that are making much more than they are. So we'll get into that. And then uh, we'll answer some questions, and then whatever else happens. So wedding recap, we got to learn about your dancing. Yeah, well, see, but now I, I don't, I don't really want to talk about that because the whole thing, it, like, I bombed, I bombed because like there was too much talk about it. I couldn't just be me. I heard. Yeah. Oh, you heard? Oh, great. Oh, you yeah. heard? I bombed. Oh, see, yeah. great. Let's talk about that some more. <laughs> I don't Hi. know if you bombed. I am a little disappointed in the idea of you're a good wedding dancer because you don't care what people think, and then when people were watching you, you started caring what people no, but think. Here's, here's the thing, though. Like, I was, and I rightly nobody would dispute this. If there were 130 people there, I was guest number 127. Right? I mean, I haven't known Zach. We're talking about Zach Meisel's wedding. Lovely wedding. Zach was a fine groom. Beautiful bride. Great wedding. Great time. But I don't... If I'm at a wedding, the last time I danced like a crazy person at a wedding, I performed the wedding. So I was the I was the minister. Like, I had a large role in it. So I didn't... I don't want it to be that, like, people at a wedding are like, who's that guy dancing like a maniac? And the answer is like, us. Oh, some guy does a podcast with Zach. And, and the bride's mom... The, mo- the bride's aunt is like, who's that guy? 
And it's like it's a guy who works with Zach that doesn't even really know the bride that well, and he's like in the middle of the dance floor taking over. Like I don't think that's appropriate, right? Don't you, you did fine, Doug. I'm just joking with you. No, like, but you, now what? I'm all up in my own head. I don't. You got it. I got in your head, and now I feel bad about I'm it. Because about I'm it. the reason that. Well, I kept people kept bringing it up at the wedding. Oh, I hear you're a phenomenal dancer. Then like people were coming up and like saying, "Wow, you're you're really." They all not. listen to Buckeye talk. That's great. No, because he kept talking about uh, it. At the I wedding. actually didn't bring it up voluntarily in front of you one time. People were coming up to you, but it wasn't me sourcing it. Just a, <laughs> I bombed. I absolutely bombed. Um, you're going to get another chance, and you're going to actually perform my wedding, so you better yeah, bring it. because at your wedding, yeah. it's like, oh, who's this freaking guy dancing like a That's maniac? The- and it's like, he's Ari's mentor. <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy behind the guy. You've worked with him for 20 years now. I hope um, that doesn't happen. <laughs> for both of our sakes. <laughs> All right, so we'll let Bill, why don't you lay out sort of the baseline of what we're trying to talk about with these assistant coaching contracts. Because you've got the contracts. You wrote the stories at cleveland.com. Go Google it. Ohio State assistant coach salaries. Bill Landis laid it all out there. But what are we talking about here? So there's a couple of things going on. Um, the least interesting, I think, is probably that um, Kerry Combs, Tony Alford, um, Zach Smith. And am I forgetting someone? There's nine assistants, right? There are nine. Kerry yes. Combs, Tony Alford, Zach Smith were three assistant coaches who have been here forever, or at least since Evermeyer's been here, who were due new contracts this year. They all expired this spring. And all three of them got raises. Um, I wouldn't call them significant raises, but they all got raises, which were probably, for the most part, deserved. We can talk about that later if we want to. Um, the more interesting thing is that we found out the contract info for the new hires, which were Kevin Wilson... Um, Ryan Day, the quarterback's coach, and Bill Davis, the linebacker's coach, and we found out the new contract for Greg Schiano, who signed a one-year deal last year. We were wondering. We knew he was going to be around. We figured he probably signed another one-year deal, and we wondered how much that deal would be worth given his track record that you laid out earlier. Um, and the two main points were that they got Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano at like bargain prices when you compare them to other coordinators around the country. Some of those guys who like don't even have the jobs they had to start last season and were still making over a million dollars last year. And Ohio State got both of those coordinators, argue, arguably two of the best at what they do in the country, for less than a million dollars, which I know sounds crazy. Way less. But way less than a million dollars. And we're officially in the era of million-dollar coordinators, both like around college football and in the Big Ten now that Michigan has three assistant coaches who are going to make a million dollars. And somehow Ohio State got these two guys highly qualified for less than that number. And I was, frankly, I was shocked by that. Well, tell them the story of when you and I first talked on the phone, <clears throat> what you initially thought, which I think goes to our thinking about this and where we are. Right. Because initially we thought maybe they were getting some million-dollar coordinators. Yeah, so it was it was weird. And these contracts, are just, there's, they're like 19 pages long, and a lot of it's just sort of fine print that it's all important, but it's all kind of boring. But... The page where the compensation is, it said, Kevin Wilson, $1.4 million. And when I first read it, I said, oh, Kevin Wilson's making $1.4 million this year. Ohio State finally has a million-dollar coordinator. This makes sense to me. I'm not surprised by this. So I didn't think twice about it. And I'm glad I called you because I almost wrote a story that said Kevin Wilson was making $1.4 million. Uh, but that was the total of the two-year contract. He's making seven, or excuse me, six fifty this year. And seven fifty next year is that the math? Is that right on that? Six fifty this year, seven fifty next year, um, and then Ryan Days was one point two million. So I thought Ohio State had 
two assistant coaches now making a million dollars. And it, it didn't like didn't dawn on me that that would be weird. I just thought that that was the era we were in now. Their quarterbacks coach, who they hired from the NFL, was making a million dollars a year. And their offensive coordinator, who was a former head coach and has won the Broyles Award and is one of the best offensive minds of football, was also making a million dollars a year. And that's not the case. They're making over a million dollars combined for two years. But they're still not at that number yet. So I think the question is, and you've talked to Gene Smith about this, that they – is it c- correct to say that Gene Smith and Ohio State – realize the day is coming mm-hmm. of a million-dollar coordinator at Ohio State, but they are not in a rush to get there. Yeah, I sat in Gene Smith's office in January because it was right after Michigan announced that they were going to have $3 million assistant coaches. And I said, is this coming for Ohio State? And he said, not not yet, not that I know of, which at the time I took like, okay, well, not yet, but in May when we get these contracts, they're going to have at least one. Maybe it was going to be Shiano or Wilson, but – he thinks it's coming. It's kind of inevitable. I thought, and I think you and I probably both thought that it was coming this year, and, and it didn't come this year. It's going to happen eventually, we think. I, I do not know how it hasn't happened now. I don't. These guys are just like, yeah, we'll give you the discount because we like Urban Meyer and he's a swell guy. If Gene Smith is like the best negotiator in the history of negotiators and talk these guys down $400,000, I have no idea. But um, they're not paying them a million dollars, and they're not – among the top programs and among the top, there were seventh, I think, last year in assistant coaching pay, which is still up there, but not number one, which is where you probably would expect Ohio State to be. I mean, certainly like top five behind Alabama or whatever. Yeah. But so, Ari, this is, I think this is the question then. This is the first question is why? Why are they able to get Greg Schiano and Kevin Wilson at well over? Well under $1 million per year. When a guy like Don Brown at Michigan, who by all accounts has done a very good job as the defensive coordinator at Michigan, right? And gets mm-hmm. a lot of praise. The players love him. They talk about him a lot. Certainly has helped Michigan be a better team. But I think he was the defensive coordinator at Connecticut before he came to Michigan. And I don't, I'm, I don't know his full resume, but his resume is not Kevin Wilson's resume. And no. his resume is definitely not Greg Schiano's resume. So why? Why do Greg Schiano and Kevin Wilson – and that's why I mostly want to focus on Ryan Day. He's just a quarterback's coach. He's not a coordinator. He, he probably – he shouldn't be a million-dollar guy. But why do Kevin Wilson – why are Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano okay with making what they're making when seemingly compared to many of their peers who have – less impressive resumes, they appear to be underpaid. Well, before we we talk about that, I think that we should discuss, because wasn't Shiano making NFL money last year? Yeah. I think we need to make the distinction of where, because it might not be all the money they're making, it just might be the well, contract. It, it, so last year, Greg Shiano signed a one-year deal, which we thought was strange, because Irvin Meyer always asked for a two-year commitment from newly hired coaches. And Doug, I think you asked him about that, and it turns out that Greg Shiano last year was on the final year of a five-year, $15 million deal that he signed to be the head coach at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the Bucs were still paying him $3 million last year in addition to the 600000 that Ohio State was paying him. But that's done. He's not making NFL money okay. anymore. And he and like it didn't even out. And not that we expected him to make $3 million, but it, like he's not even making a million. He okay, I just wanted to make that right? distinction so people no, understood that he's not. It's important to mention. So the, here's and the other thing that's important to mention, too, is that Kevin Wilson, who was the head coach in Indiana and resigned, did not get a full buyout. So he's not getting paid millions of dollars by Indiana either. He got a one-time payment of $500,000 roughly, 
um, when he resigned, but he's not getting paid like $2 million. So a year both of them are off the books elsewhere, and everything that they're making this year essentially, essentially is coming from Ohio State yes. and whatever deals they have through Ohio State. Here's my take on it, and here's what I think. And I'll ask you guys both this. Do Greg Schiano and Kevin Wilson want to be head coaches again somewhere someday? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So part of it, I think, in my view of it, and this is, you know, we don't know Kevin Wilson um, well yet. He just started, and, you know, Greg Schiano doesn't have a lot to say. But my idea would be you guys are in transitional periods in your life right now, uh, in your coaching life, and they're gonna you're going to get the opportunity to come – be assistants on a high-profiled college team under the most famous or one of the most famous coaches in college football. You have a chance to help a team that has a lot of talent win a national championship. And I think more so than the money, I can't really think of a lot of other college coaching jobs that aren't head coaching jobs in the country that would allow them to regain some of the confidence they might have lost as head coaches elsewhere than to be a part of something that could be special at Ohio State under a proven winner like Urban Meyer to enhance their resume. So my take on it, or my gut feeling on it, might be that they might not make as much as they are worth or could make elsewhere potentially, but it might put them in the best position to enhance their chances of getting another head coaching job somewhere else in the near future. And Greg Schiano's name, whether some of those uh, reports were factual or not, I mean, his name was all over the place in the December coaching carousel rumor mill. And I think that that's probably the most attractive thing about this job right now. Both of those guys have made a lot of money in their lives, and there's no such thing as too much money. I'm not going to pretend like, hey, they don't need it. And, you know, it's not for me to say how much money that they just strive to have or what they want to have. But I think more so than the salary itself, the position that they're in here, and it's not a unique view at all. It's just the idea of enhance your resume, do good at Ohio State, you're in the spotlight there as much as an assistant can be, and then take another job as soon as one that you find. Um, attractive opens up, and I think that's the best selling point Ohio State probably has for both of these guys. I don't know. Do you guys agree with that? I buy that for Wilson. I don't know if I buy that for Shiano. Like, Wilson has to, like, repair some damage to his reputation because there were player mistreatment allegations going on when he left Indiana. So he didn't really have much leverage anyway if he weren't to try to push for a million dollars to be Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Greg Shiano is incredibly overqualified for the job. And the thing that I think that makes Greg Schiano so overqualified is he hasn't had a proven track record of being successful as a college coach, and that's it. He has a track record of building a program that might Uh be the worst in the Big Ten into a successful team for a few years. And I think, and we might have even mentioned this in the past, but the best thing about his resume isn't the wins and losses. It's the foundation and the build job that he did at Rutgers. So for me, if I'm a college uh, athletic director, I don't really care how many games he won or lost with Tampa Bay in the NFL. I look at his resume from a college coaching standpoint and say, hey, this guy can build something. And I don't know how much more. There's nothing to build at Ohio State. It's been built. All he's doing is helping Ohio State recruit for a few years. He's going to be on the staff of an already successful head coach. But I don't think it's going to enhance Shiano's resume nearly as much as it will with Wilson, because I think everything that he's done as a college coach already stands on itself. So I, I agree with you on that. Is it just, I mean, it, maybe it's that there are two unique situations that have nothing to do with each other in terms of Kevin Wilson's situation and Greg Schiano's, but both would lead them to not necessarily be candidates for the Million Dollar Club. I think your point about Kevin Wilson and sort of having some damage control to do is a good one. And 
this, I think, I don't think it's too far to say, I, this is the only place in America where Greg Schiano would be an assistant, would be a college assistant. Yeah. Not because it's Ohio State, but because Urban Myers is friend. And I also probably imagine that before he took the job at Ohio State, I don't think Greg Schiano said to himself, I'm never going to be a head coach anymore again. I think that the exact he's opposite really young. happened. He's young and he's been successful. But I do think that there is stress levels and certain things that can happen in a person's life that say, hey, I'm going to take a step back. I'm not going to take a complete step away from coaching, but I'm going to relieve the um, stress of being the man of a thing and being the guy that has the last say on everything for a few years, make some money, be a part of a successful team, work with a close friend of Urban, like Urban Meyer is of his, and then maybe gradually take the step back into being the head man. Because I do think that being a head coach in college football and being a high-profile assistant are two very completely different jobs. Yeah. Greg Shiano's 50. Yeah, Kevin Wilson's 55. I just put that up, too. But I, I don't know. So it's still interesting to me, though, right? Because yeah. lots of coaches hire their friends. Lots of coaches hire guys who were higher on the ladder, got fired, and now are trying to – find a place where they can build themselves back up. I mean, like, it's I mean, not... That's Bill Davis. Yeah. You know, Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano have very different circumstances from each other, but their circumstances are not rare in the coaching world. Oh. So Don Brown at Michigan, and I don't know, maybe we can get exactly what he's making. He's just the, the number that keeps... The, the name that keeps jumping to mind to me um, when we do this, because, again, the SEC is always first with money stuff, with paying coaches and paying assistants... And then Michigan is the first Big Ten team that has dragged the Big Ten into this conversation. But Don Brown uh, is a former head coach at Northeastern and UMass. He was the head coach at Northeastern from 2000 to 2003. He was the head coach at UMass from 2004 to 2008. Then he was the defensive coordinator at Maryland, the defensive coordinator at Connecticut, and the defensive coordinator at Boston College. Those were his last three jobs before Michigan. And Harbaugh hired him. And now he is making – now he's a million-dollar coordinator. So maybe it is. I mean, Michigan, I guess, with where Michigan was as a program, they had to pay guys because maybe when Michigan was down, um, people might not have been beating down the door. Michigan is a great place to work, undoubtedly, but maybe wasn't one of the top five or ten. But Ohio State, when they're rolling and they're a national title contender every year and they're recruiting great and they have a recruiting base and, I mean – I think is, a, is this the is Ohio State the best place to work? In, th- and, and also possibly maybe Urban Meyer is. Here's one thing I think we need. To, Urban Meyer is not an easy guy to work for. Urban Meyer expects a, expects a lot from his assistant coaches in terms of commitment, time commitment, what he expects them to do. This is not a walk in the park, um, as you would expect at a, at a great program with a high profile, successful coach. But I think it's possible he's half a degree easier to work for than Nick Saban. So is it possible? And I wonder if he's a half a degree even more easier to work for when you know him and he already respects you. Right. So. Because he, he knows there's prior relationships with both. Correct. And I think that that probably plays some account. I mean, it clearly plays some role in bringing them here to begin with. Sure. But I, I'm sure he probably sat down with Greg Schiano before he hired Greg Schiano, And Greg's just being like, I don't need to be micromanaged. I mean, I could imagine a conversation. That's complete speculation. I don't know. And how, I would imagine like, that money probably didn't even come up when it was like Greg Schiano is looking for a job. Urban Meyer has a job opening. They're friends. They talk anyway. 
I'm sure they came to an agreement, and then once they agreed that they were going to work together, then they said, "Oh, what are we going to pay you?" But yeah. so here's, but here's so. Let me ask this question: Is with, this with the, the Don Brown deals details? Yes. What is it? Yeah. Okay. So he signed a five year deal. First four years base salary one million dollars. The last year base salary is one point four million dollars, and he has some pretty hefty retention bonuses too, like three hundred thousand dollars every year. If he stays for the duration of the five-year deal, it's worth $6.8 million. And that's from Nick Baumgartner at MLive.com. I mean, that's just that's just another stratosphere from what Ohio State assistants are making. So is the reason that's that That's what, like, Kevin Wilson made almost to be the head coach in Indiana. Yeah. Similar numbers. And it's like, I wonder, there's got to be a correlation, too, because Michigan's doing unprecedented things with how much they're paying Harbaugh, too. <clears throat> yeah, they paid him, like, $10 million last year. And, like, I know there were, I mean, I don't know much about his contract, but... They were doing some things that weren't done elsewhere to make it an attractive place to work for Jim Harbaugh um, financially. And I don't know if there's like a correlation between how much coach makes and how much an assistant's supposed to make or, or if there's any correlation between those two things. Um, I mean, Michigan is spending double what Ohio State's spending on its football coaches. Head, and like, head coach and, and assistant. When you talk about the attractiveness of both places, if we're going to compare them A and B, I think if you're a guy like Reg Schiano, you probably might – Rather work at a place that the train's already moving than trying to get the train going. So does that make Ohio State, is Ohio State for a college football assistant coach the most attractive place in America to work? Yeah. I mean, a must. What? What? There's no other reasoning for it, I think, right? It has to be the most attractive place in the, in the country if they're not going to be attracting people with the thing that's most attractive about being employed, and that's money. They're, right. They're you – know? <laughs> So Ohio, Ohio, I know the season hasn't happened yet, but are we comfortable in saying that Ohio State's coaching staff this year is probably better than it was last year? How confident are you? I think we know what Doug's going to say. Yeah, two upgrades and one downgrade. Okay, they're paying less this year than they paid last year for nine assistants. Last year cost more than nine assistants this year. Like they upgraded significantly at one spot with Kevin Wilson coming in as offensive coordinator and saved money. Doesn't make any sense. So it has to be. I mean, it just has to be that it's the most attractive place to come. I think it's. Coach. A, I think it's a very attractive place to step from too. Well, that's the thing. He's created, but I, I mean, it's, again, it's a weird because Shiano and Wilson are, are already they're they're trying to bounce back up. They've already been to the top, and they're trying to bounce back up. But he, Urban Meyer, has created a little a little uh, head coach finishing school yeah. here that. Tom Herman, Chris Ash, and Luke Fickle are graduates of at this moment, and him. He definitely will have more of them in the future, and so I. And do Everett think Withers, Everett Withers, yeah, no, that's real. I mean, so four guys from his Ohio State, and he's been here for five years, and he's had four people leave his staff to be head coaches. Four of the hundred and twenty-five jobs that are out there are filled by former Urban Meyer assistants, so. At Ohio State, beyond the Florida guys, beyond Charlie Strong and the and tree, whoever the I land is tree. Who else is, that tree? <laughs> Who else is this Florida? He's Steve talking Adazio, about Steve Adazio, Adazio, and Dan Mullen. Yeah, so yeah. We, we know the tree, but um, Bill knows the tree. But like it's just so like uh, you know it's easy to say we don't want to be this. We're not going to sit here and say Ohio State's the best place to work in the country just because that's what we cover. We're just trying to look at the numbers and like for instance, obviously. Clemson is a lovely, enticing place to work right now. Especially because they're winning at the highest level and paying at the highest level. And it's warmer. So 
And they've they got cool paid, color scheme. They paid a defensive coordinator $1.4 million. That's double what Greg Shiano makes. And they have purple That's uniforms. That's what Clemson's Craig Venables makes $1.4 million. And, like, again, I first wrote a story about this at the 2013 Orange Bowl when Ohio State and Clemson played there. And I wrote a million-dollar coordinator story because Chad Morris, the Clemson offensive coordinator, was making that then. And Tom Herman, the Ohio State offense coordinator, and they were very similar guys in a lot of ways. They were both hot, <clears throat> young coordinators on their way up who hadn't been head coaches yet but very clearly were going to be head coaches and very clearly were playing gigantic roles in the overall success of the programs they worked for. At that point in time, with what Clemson and Ohio State were in 2013, Clemson would not have been Clemson without Chad Morris's influence, and Ohio State would not have been Ohio State without Tom Herman's influence, no matter how good Dabo and Urban are at their jobs. And Chad Morris was making a ton more than Tom Herman, and here we are... Chad Morris is now the head coach at SMU. Tom Herman is now the head coach at Texas after that stop at Houston. But we're still in the same area where those are uh, – we, we don't know Clemson in and out, but I think it's fair to say Clemson and Ohio State are very similar programs right now in a lot of ways. They're winning at the highest level, recruiting at the highest level, two very successful, charismatic head coaches. And Clemson is just shelling out twice the money, right? At least for that one spot, yeah. Like I don't – they don't have – I'm just looking through the USA Today database from last year for assistant coaches' money, and like their offensive coordinators are not that high. I'm just scrolling through. They're number they 41. Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott. What are, are they? Their, they both make six hundred forty-three thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. Because when Chad Morris left, they sort of split. Like they they co-coordinate, and having talked to both of them last year before the Fiesta Bowl, you you could get a sense that there really was. I I couldn't tell from afar who was sort of first among equals there, um, as opposed to, for instance, when Tom Herman and Ed Wardner were, were co-coordinators. You knew Herman was the guy and Ed was second. Mm-hmm. And then Ed Wardner was the guy and Tim Beck was second. I don't know at Clemson. And they're paid the exact same. They're paid the same, yeah. And you couldn't tell from talking to them and their responsibilities necessarily who would have been the guy. So they sort of split that job. But then, again, so that's two co-coordinators, each making 650 Whereas, and what's, what's Greg Shiano making? 700. And Greg Schiano is like the guy on yeah. the defense now that Luke Fickle's gone, and he's making 700, and they're paying two guys 650. I mean, again, it's just they they pay more. And so I'm always a little conflicted about this because players aren't paid. They should be paid. College athletic makes a boatload of money, and then they spend it in every way possible from coaches' salaries to locker room waterfalls Anything they can do other than actually pay the labor. So nobody wants me to go on a 20-minute rant about not paying college football players. So on some level, like, great. Don't pay the coaches a million dollars to be an assistant coach when the guys, when the players on the field sacrificing their bodies, sacrificing their brains, actually making the plays that make the teams good are getting whatever stipend they get on top of their scholarship. I'm glad that we don't have a hundred million dollar assistance, right? Because Urban Meyer and Nick Saban are going to be quote worth it. They're going to make your university money by making the football team good. These assistants shuffle in and out. Greg Schiano leaving when he does leave is not going to cripple Ohio State. Just like Tom Herman leaving, well, it did cripple him. They replaced him with Tim Beck, and it didn't work. So it momentarily crippled them, but. <laughs> 
Even Tom Herman, who was a great assistant coach at Ohio State, he didn't make Ohio State Ohio State. Ohio State was already that. What makes Ohio State Ohio State right now? Urban Meyer makes Ohio State Ohio State. And then JT Barrett and Jerome Baker and Chris Worley and Billy Price and Mike Weber, those guys make Ohio State Ohio State. So mostly I think million-dollar assistants are nuts. They're interchangeable. Nobody is so important that you have to pay them that much. But within the context of paying them that much, I'm a little surprised that Ohio State's not there when so many other programs are there, and seemingly they still get really high quality. But you made this point already last – we talked about this a little bit on a previous edition of of one of our podcasts, didn't we? A little bit. But you made a point about Ohio State is Ohio State right now, and with the recruiting advantages that they have and the fact that it's a historical program and the facilities and the players they have here and the guy that they're working for, that they might not have – to pay the same amount of money. Right. And I think that that is a very relevant thing in regards to not only Shiano and Wilson, who will undoubtedly move on somewhere else, is Ohio State going to ever have to be in a position where they need to pay somebody $1.4 million to get them to come? Depends on how and I think that's a different discussion because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Wilson and Shiano, I think, are very unique situations that happen to work out in Ohio State's favor. What's going to happen when Kevin Wilson leaves? There isn't another one of Urban Meyer's friends waiting in the wing, and they want to get the next hotshot offensive coordinator from UCLA or Iowa State or wherever they want to get it from. Is the next does, Tom Herman. Does Ohio yeah. State have to pay the next one a million dollars, or is he going to get taken by another team like Clemson who's willing to pay him more? So, like, when you ask the question in the context of Wilson and Shiano, is this the best place to work as an assistant in the country? Answer the question again when Ohio State doesn't get the friendship discount. Well, to be fair, when Tom Herman left, there were a million names thrown out there to be the next quarterback's coach slash co-offensive coordinator. And it was all these names of all these guys who were the hot – Mike Sanford at Notre Dame – was Lincoln Riley's name out there? Lincoln Riley's name was absolutely yeah. out there, who went on to be the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma and has played a huge role in Oklahoma's recent success. Mike Sanford went to Notre Dame. He's now the head coach at Western Kentucky, I think. Yes. So, like, I think Lincoln Riley just got a raise at Oklahoma. This is last year's information. So, last year he made $900,000. Google him. I think he might have gotten a raise to, like, $1.3 like, in the last couple months. So, the question becomes, so... When they hired Tim Beck, they promoted Ed Warner to call the plays and hired Tim Beck as the quarterback coach. They did not go out and pay for that. They did not go out and get the hottest mind out there that they would have had to throw some money at to get away from somebody else. And that cost them a chance to repeat as national champions because the number one problem with the 2015 Ohio State Buckeyes – was that they did not replace Tom Herman effectively. That contributed to the problems with the quarterback situation, and that obviously contributed to the problems with the play calling against Michigan State, which is what cost them the chance at returning to the playoff. So we just said, well, they don't. we're just making this point. Maybe they don't have to pay. They can get good guys anyway. I think there's a case out there to say that them – I'm not saying that that's why they hired Tim Beck because they're, they're trying to cheap out, but clearly there were more interesting names in the rumor mill – than what they landed on with Tim Beck, and there are guys that ended up making more elsewhere than what they paid Tim Beck. And then that coaching move 
cost them. So I think maybe that will come down the line if and when Kevin Wilson leaves, if and when Greg Schiano leaves, and now Luke Fickle is not here as a foundational piece of that defensive coaching staff, you might have to pay for some guys because it's nice to be Ohio State and all the things we just said. I'm basically just contradicting everything I just said. Because <laughs> I threw a wrench at you. It's great to be Ohio State, but if there's a great coach out there who is at, again, Iowa State right now, and everybody knows he's on his way up, and Oklahoma wants him, and USC wants him, and Florida State wants him, and you want him, he's not going to come just because Urban Meyer is a good head coach, right? Yeah. So maybe that that would make sense that we are going to see that million-dollar assistant maybe that way. Eventually, Ohio State is going – they talk about this all the time. They've got to be the leaders in the recruiting world which you will read about this week. We've got to be the leaders of facilities, the leaders of everything about their program. That can't continue to be the case. There's going to be a point in time where it comes where they're going to have to be in the top 5% of salaries. And I think right now they're in a situation where they're getting a lot of good guys for a bargain, but there's no way that like this continued trend is going to happen and Ohio State's not going to meet it because if they want to continue to be in the top 5% of college football programs, they have to be matching it with money because everything in this world, in my opinion – is going to boil down to that eventually. I don't. I don't know and how much, how much is, you can get away like, from. It. Like how much does the Michigan piece play into it? That if like if you want to call it a competition, Michigan's winning in that area right now, paying three coaches one million dollars. And I don't. Even, I don't even know what Pep Hamilton's doing for Michigan, but he left the Browns to go get a million dollars for Michigan, and he's like, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't even know what his title is. And I think it's important because we want to. He's their offensive coordinator. Because like Drevno was their offensive coordinator. But he replaced Jed Fish, I think, because Jed Fish went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. I think he's at least. I think he's at least co-coordinator. Is Drevno? Who are the guys making a million for Michigan? Don Brown, Pep Hamilton, and is it and Tim Drevno? Tim Drevno, offensive coordinator. Tim Tim Drevno, defensive coordinator. Don Brown. I'm looking at Nick Baumgartner's story, trying to find passing game coordinator slash assistant head coach Pep Hamilton. Okay, so that's going to be yeah that 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 makes sense. That he is quarterback guy, passing game guy. Um, plus, he has a history with Jim Harbaugh too. But mm-hmm. I, so, but again, there's an example. So they they lured a guy from the NFL. Now, Pep Hamilton <clears throat> with the Browns was not calling the plays. He was the offensive coordinator, but Hugh Jackson calls the plays. And if you know anything about offensive coordinators, they want to call plays, right? right. So he left the Browns. Um, he has an, a pre-existing relationship with Jim Harbaugh from Stanford. I think they're. I think they're like really close. Yes. Um, and I think he's going to have it. I don't know if he's going to call the plays, but have more influence. I think on the play calling. But so part of that, right? Part of why Pep Hamilton went to Michigan, at least, is the friendship. They still paid him. Yeah, there was no friendship discount there. No friendship discount. So, I'm really good friends with you, Doug. But I would take more money. No. <laughs> no. No, right. And I would insist, yeah, I would insist on a friendship discount. I would be like, I'm... Mentor discount. Yeah. No, yeah. And the other thing I want to kind of discuss, and I don't know if this is part of the podcast or part of the coaching staff, but you guys are our podcast listeners, so we're going to give you a little bit extra. I'm working on a story about the expansion of Ohio State's recruiting department, and Ohio State, without getting into specifics, has invested a lot of money in that front. And I think there should be some correlation in this discussion between how much you pay the people that are coaching the team and how much you pay the people who are helping assemble the team. And Ohio State um, is probably leading the country right now with how much money they're putting into the staffing 
department of the people who run the recruiting stuff. And I think that that means that they are probably on the curve of paying certain Ohio State football staffers. It's just not on the coaching staff yet. And there should be a correlation between those two things. Well, but I think it's, I think it's also possible that Urban Meyer agrees with the thing that I just said, which is pay the head coach. Who makes you win? The head coach and the players. So he's willing to be ahead of the curve. Ohio State, Urban Meyer and Gene Smith in the athletic department, they're willing to be ahead of the curve on the player acquisition side of things in terms of the recruiting people <clears throat> and the money invested in recruiting because players win. But th- there may be some degree of Urban Meyer that agrees with the idea of why would you pay an assistant coach a million dollars? They are not why you win. So if some guy thinks I'd rather make a million dollars at Maryland and rather than making six fifty to come here to Ohio State, which is going to help his career more probably, then let him go to Maryland. I'm not going to bid against somebody because that you're not going to be the reason why you <coughs> win. Right? I mean, I yeah. think I think it's possible Urban Meyer would think that way. I'll have to ask him that. Why don't you pay your assistants more, Urban? Hey, what's Lincoln Riley making, by the way? 1.3. You were right. He got a three-year extension that pays him $1.3 million, and that was Bob Stoops' first million-dollar assistant. But that goes back to the thing we've heard a million times from Urban, which is this is the Ohio State offense. This is the Urban Meyer offense. You are not bringing your offense here. You are coming here to work here to integrate into what we already do. And so I think that line of thinking – I think there are some places where you would say, well, I mean, it's like, what offense do you want? It's like, I'm not trying to speak for Oklahoma. I'm using them as an example. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what do we want? Well, we, we run what Lincoln Riley wants to run. Right. Where at Ohio State, Ohio State doesn't run what Tom Herman wanted to run. They didn't <coughs> run what Ed Warner wanted to run. They're not going to run, as mu- no matter how much people want to like go crazy about the Kevin Wilson thing, they're not going to run what Kevin Wilson wants to run. They're going to run what Urban Meyer wants right. to run with these guys Tinkering with it, improving it, working within that structure, but which is what I mean. What happens when you're head, like, yes, Lane Kiffin for the most part, like Alabama ran what Lane Kiffin wanted to run, not necessarily what Nick Saban wanted to run because Nick Saban's a defensive coach. But if you flip that, there's no way in hell that Nick Saban's letting Lane Kiffin do anything to his offense other than what Nick Saban wants to do with his offense. Which is why it would have made sense for Greg Schiano in this moment to be their million dollar assistant when yeah. Luke Fickle left. The veteran co-defensive coordinator is gone. You're now the guy. Here's a million bucks. I'm surprised by that. I have another point I want to make about salaries, though. That's sliding off topic a little bit, but sticking to Ohio State. What's Kerry Combs making now? 500000 And what was he making? 425000 Remember the whole thing when make sure I have those numbers. there was a rumor... No, it was never more than a rumor, and Kerry <clears throat> Combs came out and really kind of vehemently denied the idea that he ever was going to go to Cincinnati. But there was talk, and some people were, were, were floating the idea of Kerry Combs going to Cincinnati with Luke Fickle. I think to be Luke Fickle's defensive coordinator there, we know Kerry Combs is a supremely successful high school coach in Cincinnati. We've written a million times about his recruiting success in Cincinnati. He would have been a Grand Slam home run assistant hire. For Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Kerry Combs, you know, I asked him about it at the Fiesta Bowl. He put out a statement about it. Uh-huh. He's saying, no, that was never in the cards. But yet, in that moment, Urban Meyer put out a statement that said, <clears throat> like, Kerry Combs is here and he's going to have increased responsibility and we're so excited that he's here. And I, at the time, assumed 
pay bump coming. Mm -hmm. Nice pay sure. bump coming. So now we have the numbers on the pay bump. It, the bump's 425 to 500. Yeah, so it was it was the second largest raise. Shiano got a hundred thousand dollar raise. Combs got a seventy five thousand dollar raise. Those were the top two raises. I thought it'd be more. I thought it'd be more too. Because if you, they didn't never gave him the co coordinator title, which I think we expected would happen too. And it didn't happen. And I thought, well, if they're not going to give him the title, they'll at least give him the bump in pay that would come along with that title. And last year, when it was co coordinators Fickle and Shiano, Fickle made seven fifty, Shiano made six hundred. So there's roughly $1.3 million to go around there in that pool of co-defensive coordinator. And it's been cut in half. Like, Shiano's making 700 Combs is making 500 and there's no co-coordinator. And I would have guessed if you if those exact numbers, it was Fickle 750, Shiano 600. We knew Shiano was still getting paid by the bucks, so it made sense he wasn't making as much. I would have said minimum what I would expect this year. Is Shiano seven fifty the fickle money? Mm -hmm. Combs co coordinator the Shiano money six hundred. I would I would have guessed that too. And instead, Shiano's making seven hundred, not seven fifty, and Combs is making five hundred, not six hundred. Mm -hmm. And so, if you if you were trying to keep him, entice him, I would have thought it would have taken more money and the the title that looks like it hasn't really come right. As far as we know, it has not. Yeah. But if I guess this is the question. If Kerry Combs wants to be a head coach, wants to be a college head coach, and I think he does, where is he in better position to do that? I don't know. I'm here, I guess, but if you can go to Cincinnati and be a successful defensive coordinator, and granted, it's much easier to be a successful cornerbacks coach here than it is to be a successful defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, but if that is truly the progression you want to take, it would it would probably make a little more sense to me to go be a coordinator than just stay in a position coach's role. Cause I don't, how often do guys get bumped to head coach from position coach? Like, does that ever happen? In the Mac, it happens. Right. But yeah, even, yeah, yeah. Like you could, he, he could go from this job to a Mac job, I think. But I think you also make a good point that, that even I remember, uh, Paul Haynes was at Ohio state for a long time as a defensive coach under Jim Tressel. When, Luke Fickle took over for the one year. <coughs> Haynes got a defensive coordinator title at Ohio State. And then when Urban Meyer came, Paul Haynes was not part of the Ohio State staff. He went to Arkansas. And I think he had a co-coordinator title at Arkansas. And then he became Kent State's head coach when Daryl Hazel left. So he was a, a longtime position coach at Ohio State that did get a a coordinator title on his way to becoming a head coach. So, um, unless, I mean, I don't know. And not, not to speculate, I guess, so much about like what Kerry Combs may or may not be angling for, but I think we all assume that Ohio State is going to have an, another coordinator opening next year because Greg Shiano's not going to be here. I'd be, I think we'd all be shocked if that happened. So, if and you never know the discussions that are happening behind the scenes, too, of life. If the plan is like, I yeah. don't want to, if Kerry Combs decides, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself, and maybe when Ohio State has an opening here for coordinator, maybe I can weasel my way into that. Not weasel, but, but, <laughs> yeah, get, right word, but, yeah. but get that, but get that spot as a guy who's been here a long time, recruited really well, put guys in the NFL. Um, maybe that is a better long term plan than going to Cincinnati. But it isn't, I mean, like, is, would you guys say that Kerry Combs is an assistant coach as much as I'm just, 
I feel like I'm contradicting myself, then contradicting my contradictions, then contradicting my contradictions of my contradictions. One of the services that you provide is getting people to talk, and I think you're doing a good job. (laughs) God, this guy doesn't make any sense. He says everything by the end of the conversation. So here's the thing is, if you were Ohio State, how much value would you have put in if there was a situation? I don't know. But just in general, let's say some other school wanted Kerry Combs. How much would you try to retain Kerry Combs? I mean, I would I would take it pretty far. I don't, he recruits a very important area for them. He is their best assistant. Well, maybe Larry Johnson because he's been around. He's he has an argument time. to be regard. That's your point. Best still assistant made. coach in terms of turning players into NFL prospects. Um, he's got a great personality. The kind of personality you want on your staff. He loves like it, <coughs> he checks every box you want an assistant coach, and then some. So I, I would I would take I it pretty guess, far to retain him. I don't know if Meyer, I, I think if the time comes where Urban Meyer has to make a decision, I think Urban Meyer does what he has to do to keep him. Right. Which is why you had that. That was your gut instinct when you thought that was going to have to happen this year. And just because it didn't happen right now doesn't mean that – I mean, Kerry Combs knows what Shiano's situation is. So, you know, and again, we're speculating, but he could be in the position where he goes, well, I'll do what I have to do for the next year or two at the most at Ohio State to maintain my position here. But there's going to be an opening to be Ohio State's defensive coordinator – and if you said, hey, jump to Cincinnati and be the defensive coordinator to better yourself, I think the faster route to becoming a head coach might be to wait in your time to become Ohio State's defensive coordinator, put yourself in a position with better players to have more success, and then you might get a more attractive job long-term in six years from now than you might had you just done that and gone to Cincinnati to try to – I think the the track to being a head coach might be even faster at Ohio State, even if the position title is worse than it would have been had that Cincinnati thing been true or come true. I also don't think, and this isn't really to rag on him. I just, I think you will find people who will tell you that Kerry Combs may not be the X's and O's kind of guy that you would need to be Ohio State's defensive coordinator too. So I don't, I don't know how realistic that could be for him, but it would make sense to me if he was maybe holding out for that kind of thing. And if Kerry Combs is listening to this, all I'm saying is you, you should, you deserve more money. Man. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Pay Kerry Combs, right? Um, do we have uh, questions? I have a people? perfect question Ooh. To that I coincidentally got for this podcast. It actually worked out. John J. Poe Phillips at Mr. J. Poe asks, which <laughs> non-X head coach on the staff do you think will be the next one to get a head coach? Wow. Job? Ooh. Which is like, I could have, I created a Twitter profile and tweeted at myself. Yeah. That was a perfect question. Which, which non-former head coach? coach. So it's not Shiano and not Wilson. Right. So we're, those are the two main guys we were talking about, but like, it's the perfect piggyback question question. to the Combs discussion, Mm -hmm. which is, since you guys have your hand, hands over your eyes thinking about it, I'll just say, I probably think it would be Combs. I don't, I don't even think there's another candidate to be the answer to that question. Other than Kerry Combs. Yeah, I mean, Larry Johnson's been around forever, but he doesn't necessarily scream head coach to me. I mean, I think it's just the realities of the situation. He probably should have gotten a chance to be a head coach by now. I know he, uh-huh. he, he, I think in his heart felt he should have gotten a chance at the Penn State job somewhere along the line there. Mm-hmm. And he may have been great at it, but I don't know that now would be the time for him, just realistically speaking. Like Tony Alford, I don't know about. I mean, that's the kind of guy. Tony Alford's been uh, 
at Ohio State. He's been at Notre Dame, a Midwest guy. I mean, that seems like a guy that probably could be an interesting Mac hire. That is an interesting at, one. At some yeah. point. But I would put Kerry Combs first on that list. I don't know that Zach Smith is anywhere near that at the moment. He's clearly by far the youngest guy on the staff. Bill Davis is a is a lifelong NFL assistant. He's not a head coach, yeah. Um, Greg Sudraw was not a head coach. And Ryan Day is just got here. I mean if Ryan Day were a head coach in like six years, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But I think, like, and I've said this before, this I've definitely said in the podcast before. If I were a Mac school, I would hire Kerry Combs yesterday. Kerry yeah. Combs is is a PJ Fleck version of things, and I don't think he would leave. I think you would get a chance with Kerry Combs, possibly. Not that he would never leave, but he's a little bit older than a guy like PJ Fleck. And I think Kerry Combs, again, who is not, as I said this before, who is not as old as you think just because his hair is white. Could be a guy who could go to is a he match. younger than Urban Meyer? He's like the same age. Same age? Okay. Urban's 52. What's Kerry Combs? I think no. Kerry Combs is like 51 or 52. Um, I think I think Kerry Combs could be a guy who could go to like a Mac school and if he gets it going, stay and like put up like a, an incredible like 10 or 15 year run at a Mac school. Mac program. And just like kill it and like transform your campus and like have people like he would be like having things like come out and like let's run around campus together and Kerry Combs is going to run around with you and let's we're going to and I think he's I think he relates really well to players. He clearly knows how to win because he won as a successful high school head coach. We've seen plenty of guys turn high school success into college success as a head coach, right? I mean, yeah. Chad Morris is that kind of guy. Gus Malzahn's that guy, right? So he knows what it means to run a program, even if it's at the high school level. So I would. <coughs> Combs, if I, yeah. I, if I was a down Mac school that was like, our program is down, we don't have any energy, the fans don't care anymore, we can't win, we can't recruit, I think Kerry Combs is your answer. Combs is 54, and he would be my answer too. Ryan Day, just because you brought his, name up, brought his name up, I think is interesting because I didn't think of him. He's 38 years old, and he's the offensive co- co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Ohio State. And depending on what happens to Kevin Wilson, could very well elevate to coordinator. I mean, you know, a year down the road or two years down the road, has coached in the NFL, has coordinated at other places. Um, that's like the beginnings of a of a head coaching trajectory in my head to have these positions at the age of thirty eight. Chip Kelly, protege kind of guy. Um, so I would put if you're going to put Combs first, I would might put Ryan Day second. I'm looking something up. I have a point to make about Ryan Day. But go ahead, Ari. I just think it's Combs just because he, like you said, I think he's just the number one obvious candidate. And, uh, you know, there aren't a lot on the staff. And it just it kind of makes you, if you take away people who have already had that position, I think that question was a good way of kind of reiterating that maybe there aren't as many high, high head coaching candidates that are on the radar right now. And maybe we won't have a, outside of those two big guys next year when December comes around, we're writing – Interested in stories, I think it's going to be those two guys and potentially Combs again. And it, yeah, yeah, I mean, especially just, if you think like if you think about it in the context of because like, even Warner last two years year ago, was kind of two years ago, there were like four guys on the staff. And you were like, if you would have said that by this time they would have been head coach. It's like, yeah, okay, that Ash, Fickle, Ash, Herman. Fickle, Herman, and I think like Warner at a time you would have thought, okay, I mean, yeah. two years ago you thought. Yeah. I mean, it's been his his goal 
And um, he interviewed, he, he interviewed an Mexi- army, I thought, didn't he? Yeah, in the mix at Kansas. And he was in the mix at Kansas, and I know Western Kentucky reached out to him. So, I mean, there were there were jobs there. So, did you want me to advance on to another question, Doug, or did you have another No, point? I just want to say about right now. I just want to see – it's funny. I'm just looking at this now. How did we not – we? How do we not know for a fact that Ryan Day was coming here? Like I know we were talking about Chip Kelly. Like his his whole career is Chip Kelly. He was a tight ends coach at New Hampshire, and then he was a graduate assistant at Florida with Urban, and then like got in the Urban tree of stuff, right? I mean, like yeah, I think I think Adazio might have been the one who brought him to Florida, and then he went with Adazio to Boston College, and then he went with Chip to the Eagles, the Eagles and, and the Forty Niners. Yeah. So it's like I want to see Ryan Day like succeed outside his comfort zone of this tree, except he's in the tree still. Right. So it's like I was going to say I, I'm going to hold off on Ryan Day, the head coach, until I see what he does. But he's in also, a situation where he's not surrounded by the people that know him, but except he still is. The thing that happens though with coaches is like if JT Barrett is marginally better next year, Ryan Day is going to get anointed a genius. Because he fixed JT Barrett. To whatever degree it is, that's how it works with head coaches. Tom Herman, and Tom Herman's a really good football coach. Tom Herman was a genius because he took an offense that had like 15 NFL players and won a national championship. Like he wasn't doing that at Iowa State. So if Ryan Day makes JT Barrett uh, who JT Barrett was in 2014, then Ryan Day is the next Tom Herman and on the fast track to being a head coach for no reason other than JT Barrett had a good year. You always, uh, they always talk about how like you don't want to follow a legend, right? That that's like, such a difficult thing. You can absorb the legend, yeah. <clears throat> you know who you want to follow? Tim Beck. Tim Beck. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also absorb. If like you, I think that he would benefit from Tom Herman's success here by being regarded. His name would be mentioned with Tom Herman a lot. Yeah, yeah. but he didn't succeed Tom Herman. I know, but he I had still think that he'll make between. the jump. You want to succeed the guy who succeeds the guy. That's, the, yes. that's it. Yeah, this is the perfect. It's like every other, right? Um, we ordered pizza in the middle <laughs> of the podcast. That was a good question. That was a good question. question. Wait, but can I ask a question now? Yeah. What's up? What do you mean, what's up? I thought you're super hardcore. No, I just, I'm not not having a good week. I didn't (laughs) eat today. Because I was in a computer. Can you just, the second you want to enjoy yourself, somebody else has to ask what happened to your diet. I'm I'm going to the gym in the morning. Don't worry about it. (laughs) No, but I just, no, I'm not. No, 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 I am. Sometimes when you are hardcore on watching your I've had this discussion. You are really hardcore. I've had my discussion. I've lost a good amount of weight. I can't do the hardcore. I'm trying to make a lifestyle change. So I'm not going to do the fluctuation anymore. You are? Yeah, I've come to the conclusion. When did you conclude that? I've just been talking to a few people. Today? (laughs) It's my rationalization for eating the pizza, Doug. (laughs) Um, you're on a hardcore diet until you order a pizza, then you're in a lifestyle. And then team. tomorrow we're back, back at the hardcore. hardcore Do you have another question you want to get to? Um, I, I have a few, that. but because um, we're running out, we're running out of time we're here. Like an hour. I just want to say to to G Nilly, loyal podcast listener, who always gives us pretty good questions. He's asked us two weeks in a row. We haven't talked about it, and I don't want to talk about it now because I think it's an, it could be an interesting conversation. He asked if Ohio State were to lose an argument in the college football playoff committee room. What are the three most likely reasons they would lose that argument? I think that could be an entire podcast. Right. Like, I, I want to talk about that, but, like, maybe down the line a little bit and give it, like, the attention. Screenshot that on your phone so you have it. Yeah. But that's an excellent question. I just don't want to answer it in five minutes when we can do it for now. We have, I have other excellent questions that I might just screenshot for next week's podcast because sometimes we don't get any. 
Are we doing a podcast next week? We're all on vacation. I'll be back. I'll do it by Solo. myself. You can do it. I've done it before. It's not hard. I'm not here. Okay, you so we're going to have an excellent podcast. You ask, answering questions, you can do that. Okay, I'll try that next week. Thanks for volunteering work for me. Um, is that it? So we're not – are there any more? We have a few that are – higher podcast worthy or you're going to save – you want to save one, everything now? Jordan Steele, the Jordan Steele said, what do you think are the three to five best Ohio State football games of the Urban Meyer era? Which oh I think God, is a very so long good. discussion. Um, and I guess that would be good because there's different ki- criteria of good, I think. Yeah. Yours are probably like Alabama, like the three playoff games from two years. Right. Question's over. But like I think there are other interesting answers to that question that might not just be Ohio State did good that day. I know what the worst one is. Maryland. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, one was, does it make sense for Burrow and Haskins to stick around this upcoming season if Urban Meyer doesn't confirm who will be number two? Both already redshirted, and whoever ends up being number three could use this upcoming season to redshirt. That is from You Said What? And said is C E D. Are we going to answer that? Yeah, we let's can, say, if we you can want. answer that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is what happens at Alabama, right? This Everyone has happened at Alabama August. at least yeah. twice. They have uh-huh. a quarterback battle in preseason camp, and the guy who loses the battle leaves, right? Yeah. Now, this isn't a battle for the starting job, but it's a battle for number two and the inside track to number one in 2018. I do not think, based on no knowledge, which is what everything I say is based on, that is not off the table to me, that the guy who loses the number two job is gone before this season starts so that he can play at his new place next year. If you're Urban Meyer, do you even name a number two quarterback? Just slap an war between their names on the depth chart? Like he does, he's not obligated they to know, name one. Don't they? If you sure they split would the reps, not a, I mean, you can split the reps evenly in practice. Make it week to week who your number two quarterback is. Never publicly acknowledge one guy's ahead of the other. And, I mean... Maybe it's a bit misleading because you're just doing it to keep both guys on the roster if you think one might transfer if you name a number two quarterback, but that's how I would play it. It keeps both guys around, and you want them both around. Here's the thing. Joe Burrow's dad is a football coach. True. And was an assistant in Nebraska and now is an assistant at Ohio U with Frank Solich, and so he knows the game. (laughs) That's true. Um, Again, I'm not saying this would happen, but I'm saying it might be more likely that and not even angrily, but that somebody like that could have a conversation and say, listen, we just want to know what's going on. We want what's best for the program and what's best for our son. Let's have an honest discussion about this. And I think they could have an honest discussion. And it could go the other way too. You know, like like, like Dwayne Haskins, I am, not, I am not at all saying that, that Joe Burrow is going to be the number three quarterback and Dwayne Haskins is going to be number two. I just think that's something to think about. But yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's... You know, you think back on uh, Cardell Jones, and a lot of people thought he was going to go pro, and then Urban Meyer, on his way to David Letterman, uh, after the 2014 season, swung by Glenville, had a conversation with Cardell Jones, and he got up and told everybody he was coming back. And so that was – Urban Meyer, clearly in that situation, was very interested in keeping his quarterback options around. And so if – and so let's just play a half a game of this. So JT Barrett is obviously gone after this year. Let's say that this scenario, which we're just making up, but let's say that the number three quarterback transfers before this season. So then next year, you're, you're, you come back with the winner of the number two job from this year. So it's either Haskins or Burrow is number one. The other one is gone. And then you have Tate Martell mm-hmm. as your number two. And Emory Jones is still here as your number three. 
Are you okay with that? Is that enough, or would you be a little nervous about your quarterback room if that number one quarterback, as Braxton Miller did one year, hurts his arm in preseason camp? Uh, I'm nervous about that. I mean, Tate Martell, I think, could be a good quarterback at Ohio State, but that's a lot of food, man. It's three boxes. Four. There's a sandwich in there that I'm going to try to eat tomorrow. Four boxes of food. Um, if the scenario entering next season is one of either Bo or Haskins, Tate Martell is a backup and Emory Jones is a true freshman, and you have three scholarship quarterbacks and that's the end of it, I'm not a big fan of that situation. And, and why would you be? Like, Obviously, you want both Haskins and Burrow around. But um, no, I don't think that's a good spot for Ohio State to be. Okay, so you think Urban Meyer would be very interested in keeping both of, of them course. around and not having the scenario. Right. Either. Okay. Right. All right. Um, are we good? Do we want to do anything else? Do we want to rant about life or anything, or are we going to give people a break this I week? I think we should give people a break on life rants. They got heavy the last two. The I'm last not a bad guy, guys. everyone. I promise. Yeah. All right. We'll give them a break. Uh, my wedding dancing bombed. End of discussion. Hmm. Um, bombed is strong because I saw, out of all the people out there, I thought you were busting the move the hardest. Nice. And I didn't. It's not like I got out there and did uh, the river dance, you know. So it's, but <laughs> I, um, I just, I, I, the one regret I have is I feel like I'm the reason you feel you bombed. And if I could go back in time, I guess this is kind of an apology. <laughs> I wish I could have just let you do your thing. Yeah, I think I kind of messed that up, and I do acknowledge that. And from one friend to another, I'm sorry. Thanks, man. Maybe I'll just break something out right here. Um, all right, that's Bill Landis, Harry Watson, Douglas Maurice. That's Buckeye Talk. You can read us at Cleveland.com/osu. You can subscribe to the finest Ohio State podcast around on iTunes. Look for Buckeye Talk on Stitcher. Look for Buckeye Talk. If you want to go to SoundCloud, that's where we make it happen. You can find us there. Um, you can it's episode eighty, by the way. Episode eighty. We got to sketch it out. We'll figure out. We're gonna. We'll do something. Uh, this is a promise. We're gonna do something special for episode one hundred because that's syndication. I think. Right. Yeah. And we just get the big money off yeah. of that. Then we get a thirty-five cent check in the mail. <laughs> maybe the big thing we'll do is have an ad for the first time <laughs> ever. Um, we will have something. We'll maybe we'll get like a super special guest. Here's let's throw this. Could we get Urban Meyer to be on Buckeye Talk for our 100th episode to call in and talk about fast food? I Urban, think it, it'll be good because it'll like sync up like right with when they're getting into like game prep. So I'm sure I'll be really up for it. Yeah, I would love to know like what Urban Meyer's go to like I'm out recruiting meal is though. Yeah. Maybe I'll ask every assistant, like, what do you like eating when you're on the road? And I'll do I'd a, read that. What if, like, I think that would be interesting. We like to have themes sometimes for seasons and, like, ideas. What if we had a food theme to this whole fall? Every t- We just constantly ask players and coaches what they like to eat. What's your cheat meal? What's the thing you love the most as a kid that you, like, have trouble getting now? What's the thing that, like, is dangerous to you that you might go crazy on? We get some really interesting answers because I, I – did you say ask players too? Yeah. Marshawn Lattimore was like tweeting about gas station chicken cheesesteaks in Cleveland like right before he's about to become a millionaire. It's like that's that's the thing you miss. Is a I gas really like gas steak. station roller food. Oh, I and know. Then if we, what crazy, if, and but then, like, yeah, especially if it's a cheesesteak. I know that's offensive to you. I'm interested in, yeah. There's and then we could go eat whatever oh, yeah. the guys talk about. about like Ed Warner, that. when I was in New Jersey with him for that story that I wrote, always stopped at this place called the Sixth Street Deli and got. A corned beef sandwich every time he was in that area. So it was awesome. And I think it would just be cool. Like, I wonder, like, does Urban Meyer, if Urban Meyer is, like, doing one of those all-day road trips, like, to Georgia where he's stopping on five or six, is he, like, going through Jack in the Box down there or whatever? Is he hitting Zaxby's? Better be. Probably. He's missing out. Crystal? Um, (laughs) All right. Thanks to you guys for listening. 
Uh, that's Bill and Ari. I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.